Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On today's podcast, my guest is the co-host of the Dude Cinema Podcast and comedian Beck Charlwood. My name is Justin Hamilton, and this is a dude-free zone on Big Squid. Welcome to today's podcast with Beck Charwood. We've been trying to make this happen for months now, so I'm glad we finally found time to record together. I'll pop by at the end of the podcast to tell you about upcoming shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but until then, I reckon we can just wait because we're going to have a chat with Beck Charwood. We've been trying to make this happen for uh, quite a while now, and we are finally managing to get uh, you into the Big Squid podcast world, and it's uh, it's exciting to have you here. And you, it's I was trying to work out because I'm old now and I have no sense of time. Uh, we've known each other for a long time now, right? Um, yeah, I was trying to think because uh, we're recording in the Big Squid Studios, aka your apartment. Absolutely. And I'm trying to remember. I remember. <laughs> I have a distinct memory of coming back here with a bunch of people after a show. Is the dollop. And was it the dollop? Yeah, it was with, um, you came back with Alex, Jay, uh, Gareth, Dave Anthony, and maybe even a couple of other people. I'm surprised I even remember that. I was so drunk that night. Yes. (laughs) But good drunk, like heaps of fun drunk. Great. Okay, good. Yeah, yes. Love to hear that. That's a good review. There's a massive difference. There's, there's, yeah, you were toasted and it's like, woo. And then there's like... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're a bit drunk. And you go, oh, you don't want to be that one. (laughs) You're like, you have a distinct memory of me that you will never share. (laughs) You'll never be able to speak it, but it brings you deep shame. Yeah, yeah. If if someone tells me they're going out drinking with you, I say, oh, (laughs) make sure she drinks water as well. (laughs) It's at that level. But no, you came back 
that time, and that's that's a fair while ago. Like I'd already yeah. known you for ages before then. I feel like did I meet you? When did I first meet you? Was it in WA? No, surely not. I was. I kept a low profile there. Right. I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I was a hot mess. So it would have been when I, I moved over to Sydney. Uh, but seven I, years ago, as of this week, so it can't be longer oh, really? than seven years. Right. Really? I I distinctly remember talking to you and the guy you were dating at the time in WA at night in the courtyard. Oh, in which courtyard? Uh, look, I'm not that good. There's only three there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the three courtyards. <laughs> One of the three Perth courtyards. Oh, wow. So, so was that seven years ago? Maybe. I think, oh, was it at Perth Fringe? Mm. I think that would have been around six years ago. Right. Yep. Yes. So I'd already met you before that. Because you know the guy that... Yes. I, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I don't know where you are with that <laughs> ex, so I'm just not dropping oh, no. ex names. Me yeah. and comedian Jacques Barrett are great, great. friends. He's yes. a lovely man. He's yes. very, very funny, very talented. Yeah, great. All right. Well, I felt like it was fine, but, you know, sometimes you say, oh, yeah, you were dating Jacques Barrett, and then suddenly it's like, oh. No, thank you for treading lightly. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, yeah. we're great. He's yeah, a great good. dude. Well, weren't you uh, on the same... Bill on the weekend with yes. Katrina Davidson. Yes, yes, from Brisbane, Brisbane's finest. Oh yeah, she's great, isn't she? She's so lovely. I've been waiting to meet Kat for years because uh, well, I used to date Jacques, who's from Brisbane, and my current boyfriend is from Brisbane as well. Yes. So they both uh, talk so highly of Kat. So. Wasn't uh, uh, wasn't your boyfriend a student of Kat's? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, and um, he went to oh my god, what's the name of it? QT. Right. Acting school, right? Um, which I love. It's one of these acting schools where it's like it's very good. They only let in thirteen people a year, right? But I feel that several acting schools have the tagline of like, "Yes, there's Whopper. Yes, there's Nida." But then right after them, it's us. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the Adelaide Fringe is the yeah. second biggest fringe festival in the world, which it technically is. But it's very funny to say we're second best. Yeah, yeah. But you know, still top two, so you can't be too upset with that. It's uh, you've been a comedian for a while now. Is there is there someone? What I found interesting was that you said you've been wanting to meet Cat for a while, and uh, people don't realise that. Uh, sometimes it can be quite difficult to meet other comedians because sometimes, like, you can end up in a schedule where it's like you're always one week before or one week after a certain comedian, you know, yeah. on, on the on the poster or whatever. And or sometimes you'd be at a party and they were like, oh, she was just here. Yes. And you're like, damn it, I was so close. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's someone that you've always wanted to meet that you've never been quite in the room at the same time? Oh, that's a great question. Um... Because Kat Davidson is, you know, because Kat does a lot of stuff, but she is also very specific. She's a mum, you know, she's married, she's got uh, Brisbane radio work. So mm. her popping out and doing things is, it's it's like little, little. I'm out, I'm doing it, and I'm going straight back to back my home. Back into the hole. Yeah. Yes, where I'm safe. Where a lot of, I feel, female comics exist. They're like, I have my safe little area. Yeah. And if I go outside, it's yeah. for a little bit, and then I go straight back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like because now I'm getting to a point where I've like, I've met a lot of people like in passing, but haven't been on lineups with them. Right. Like I met Hamish Blake for the first time last year and that was like such a big moment. Right. And I fumbled the bag so hard. Did you? (laughs) Yes. What happened? So it was, uh, he was on Spicks and Specs who I was lucky enough to be a writer uh, on the season and uh, the... Uh, one of the head writers, Jason Marion. Yep. You know Jason? Yeah. Oh my God, I love Jason. Yeah. Um, Very funny. So fucking yeah. funny. And 
uh, I was like freaking out. He's like, do you want to meet Hamish Blake? I was like, do I want to fucking... Of course I want to meet Hamish Blake. What are you yeah. kidding? Are you joking me? So he was standing backstage and he was talking to someone like a couple of metres away. And me and Jason were standing just trying to act casual a couple of metres away. <laughs> and uh, Jason's like, oh, I'll go over now and, and introduce you. And so he leant over and was like, Hamish. And then they started having like a very direct conversation of like Hamish like hugged him and was like dude so good to see you and they were like he's like how's this thing how's this thing and I'm just kind of standing uh, a couple of meters away yeah. being like it's not my time to yeah. get yeah and I just cause it looked weird so I was like you know what I'm just gonna turn around and just do something with my hands so it doesn't look like I'm just like oh yeah staring at these two people have a conversation yes and so I was like, oh, there's some trash on the ground. So I just went to like pick it up and put it in the bin. And Jason turned around at that exact moment. And as, I you're, got like, as you're picking up litter. Yeah, as I'm picking up like an empty chip bag. Oh, no. And he's like, this is Beck. She's a rider. I was like, I don't look like a rider right now. This yeah. is so embarrassing. I, I've got to be honest. You look exactly like a rider if you're, <laughs> if you're picking up litter <laughs> backstage. chip bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, that's so funny, isn't it? We've all been in that situation where someone's about to introduce you to somebody. Whether they don't have to be famous, you could be a, at a at a wedding. You're about to be introduced to a cousin or something like that, you know. And that is, you know, people talk about technology ruining the world, but thank goodness for mobile phones that you can just pretend that oh yeah, I just got a text message or oh yeah, I just I'm just checking on some work, and you can look at that while something like that plays out until it's, and then you can be the one who goes. Oh, yeah, hi. <laughs> and then put the phone away. I my brother, I'm like, genius. I should have looked at my phone. I Look at like, your phone. Sorry, I just got a very important email. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, dear Steven Spielberg, yes, I thought the favour was... Anyway, he gets needy. Anyway, uh, who are you? Hamish Blake. That seems nice. He would have been fine. Hamish is a very generous person. He's so sweet. And he gets, yeah. he was mobbed by every single person yeah. on set. So I'm yeah. sure he... Uh, was chill about it but I was very much like and then I just couldn't bring words to my mouth I was right. like hi I love you and I was like oh yeah. my god stop talking just stop oh, talking yeah. yeah who's who's the person who's the most famous person that you've met that you've been weirdly the coolest with like that you went afterwards when you think about it you were like wow I really handled myself extremely well then oh that sounds so braggy but no, no, um, no but, but no but you do sometimes you just meet someone and it's and it just kind of clicks and sometimes you meet someone and you fumble it you, you know? know who I actually I know this immediately because it happened so recently. In December, I went on tour with Alan Carr. Oh, really? Right. He is, like, I think one of my favourite people I've ever met. Just in my life, regardless of comedy. Just so lovely, so down to earth. We had the best time on tour. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm really happy to hear that because I really enjoy his work and I love watching him specifically on things like Graham Norton. He is so, uh, he's such a delightful presence who knows how to fill a gap or knows when to jump in and yeah, he's great. So I'm, I'm very relieved to hear that. Yeah. He's just, and he's not like a different person Mm. off camera or like has like an off, like he's just as lovely and funny as, and quick. Yeah. Off stage. Yeah. Great. And it was just so, so fucking Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the half the time we were hanging out and just like having a gab and gossiping and bitching. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'd have like a moment of realization of being like, "You're talking to Alan Carr," and I'd be like, "Oh fuck! Oh, get back into the body. Like, oh, be present. Yeah. Be present. Yeah. Be present." Yeah. Listen to what he's saying. <laughs> Stop listening to your voice. Uh, Stop writing this chapter in your book in your head. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chapter thirteen. Shit starts to get real. Um, <laughs> did you uh, Did you watch the show every night? 
Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. what was uh, how many shows did you do together? Uh, we did. I think it was we did uh, all of New Zealand, Wellington, Auckland. Oh my god, and another one I can't remember. What's the other one? Uh, like Christchurch. Christchurch. Yep. Yes. I was uh, about to give you a, a few options, but yeah, Christchurch. <laughs> yep. And then uh, we did one in Perth, so four together. Great. And I watched it every night because I was like, when am I ever gonna? I'm, I'm never, maybe in my life, if I'm lucky, I'll get to see Alan again live. Right. But he's, I mean, he's one of the biggest comedians I've ever met. And I was like, yeah. I would be so stupid not to watch everything he's doing. Yeah. And try learn from it as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. What was the, uh, what do you feel like you learned from him? Do you, because you're seeing the same show. Was there anything that he did that you sort of looked at because sometimes sometimes someone who has a, a different style to you or even a completely different sense of humor to you they're the best people to learn from because you can kind of watch it a little bit dispassionately like mm. so some of the biggest lessons i've learned in stand up are from comedians that i know are funny but their sense of humor is not my sense of humor mm. so therefore i can watch it as a skill set i think me and alan are kind of similar cuz we're very like big yeah energy and personality yeah. yeah um but he what i really learned was that he even though like the writing often you'll see like comics that either rest on like writing or personality right yep but he had the writing down um so hard and then would just like go like as big and hard as possible and yeah. it made me be like oh yeah like because stand-up often is like you're just standing on stage. There's nothing fancy going on. I was like, oh, you can make it so fun. Like there's right. so – you can use all of the stage. Yeah. Like you can do all kinds of act-outs and accents and miming. and just He uses every skill that he has in the moment rather than be like, well, I don't want to be too much. It's like people want too much. Yeah. Well, they've done their hair. They put on their high heels. Yeah. This is their night out. Yeah. Yeah. Be be bigger is kind of what I I, I learned from it. Yeah, and, and especially um, it's almost like a like a a fish filling the bowl. You know, like the bigger the stage, the bigger you have to be because there's people right up the back. So yeah. if you're if you're gesturing with your arm to your shoulder, then you want to gesture gesture above your head. You know, mm. so then people can see it from back there. Using the stage is really interesting. You know, like I think that is something that comes in time like you kind of you know when you first start out you get to that microphone stand and you learn to move the microphone stand like a third of a meter away from you but not too far just in case you need need to hold on to it but then over time you suddenly go oh this is my space and I can be over here I can walk over here I can move backwards I can move forwards Uh, and you can in the process visually keep the audience engaged as well where they don't quite realize it too Mm. which is great and also the stages get bigger. So you the stages get bigger. <laughs> I remember the first few years just performing on what was essentially like a wooden pallet. Yeah. <laughs> with a bit of plywood over no, the yeah. top. There's yeah. only so much you can do. Yeah, yeah. All your act outs are uh, about uh, a tree growing and that's about yeah. as far as you can move. Yeah, the uh, I used to have a routine about uh, catching a tram and seeing something that happened on a tram and it was designed specifically for bigger stages because I could uh, act out the... Because the tram was packed, so I used to act out all the different shapes of the people stuck on the tram. And like the bigger the stage, I could make all of those positions bigger. And then at the end, something happens on this packed tram and I could act out all the different people who have just caught what's happening. And so the bigger the stage, the bigger that routine became. And the smaller the stage, you could could still do all of that stuff. But that was kind of the first time I realised, oh, I can feel this. 
Yeah. I can do something here and not just be in the just one yeah, place. Just in that 50 centimetre radius. Yeah. Did, did you go back and look at some of your routines? Because you've got a festival show coming up. Did you yes. suddenly look at stuff and go, oh, I can, I can add a little bit more here. I can add a little bit more there. I can make this bigger. Well, I went, I think, beyond that. I went full psycho. And right, <laughs> what right. I've done is I've got, uh, so the show that I'm doing in Melbourne mostly uh I'm doing two shows one stand-up show and then this one called Toilet Seat Time Machine right which is uh basically I would describe it as like a live uh video game yep um with a bit of Doctor Who great and then a soundtrack by Avicii right Um, (laughs) so uh I've combined all my skills of like stand-up crowd work uh graphic design yeah music yeah um what else is in there I think that's all I can remember. But right. any other small skills I have, I have applied them yeah, to this great, show. Yeah, <laughs> great, So hang on, so hang on, before we get into the, the show, so you're doing a stand-up show. Yes. And that is the full run or is that just a... No, just two shows in Melbourne. Yep. Um, it's called Good Funny. And basically it's a lot more about like, um, it's about getting diagnosed with bipolar. Right. Um, so it's more, it's like a more of a narrative kind of thing. It's not as big, I would say. It's something that, it's more like something I wanted to write about for a really long time. Yep. And uh, it's like, basically, if you see Toilet Seat Time Machine and you want to know more about how my dumb brain works, come and see Good Funny, which is a stand-up show. And you're like, oh, I understood how she got here. Yeah, this is how we ended up. (laughs) Or vice versa. Okay, I've I've got the idea and now I can see the the, uh, end result. Did... uh, Sorry, when did you get diagnosed with bipolar? About four years ago now. Right, okay. And... Was it was it a relief when you found out? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah, massively. It just made so much sense because I was just like, I mean, as, as I said, one of our, our biggest memories together is me drinking way too much, right? Because I I just didn't have an off switch and I didn't have any control over anything, and you know, I would go through these phases of just like massive emotions and right. feeling invincible. And then just like deep depressions. And I was like, there's no consistency in my life. And as much as I tried, I just couldn't get a handle on it. Yeah. And so when I was dying, I was like, oh, good. It's not all my fault. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is. And it suddenly gives you a blueprint on how to deal with things. But as you Mm. said, in that that pre-diagnosis, it's like, is this what my life's going to be like? Is this what's going to happen? How am I meant to move forward with this? And also stand-up can be, like, in a way, it can be kind of terrible for this kind of situation because it means a good gig is, I might be the best comedian in the world. (laughs) And an average gig is like, why am I not an accountant? And that's all too much. You've got to be somewhere in the middle to enjoy your career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where stand-up was great. Uh, in a lot of ways because I'm like I think it's the only job I can do because I'm right. still yep. like as much as I'm medicated I'm still inconsistent as fuck so right as a do you mean emotionally or do you mean as a, when you say inconsistent do you mean I think more oh god I think just like lifestyle patterns right of yep. like I'll have an idea and be like this is my whole life and yeah. then a couple months later I'll be like oh I don't know what I was talking about don't worry about right, that right do you follow the idea through when you have that or is it hard? Do you know what I mean? Like you have the idea and you think this is where you want to go. Do, do you follow the idea through to its conclusion? Oh, or really? Do you never. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. That's also ADHD yeah. as well. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any diagnoses? Uh, my therapist uh, said I have mild bipolar, so oh. nothing, nothing major. 
but it is uh, I don't really talk about it not for secrecy but because I know there's people with proper bipolar do you know what I mean like like the full bipolar mine's mild but it did that that's why I asked you if you uh, felt relief because it was suddenly like it just explained a few things just a, mm. a little bit of the highs and a little bit of the lows and how uh, how to navigate them so uh, so last year, I ended up working. There was between question everything in the chase, and this podcast and live shows. It's you know what this business is like. Sometimes your schedule just does not work out the way you want it, and yep. everything hit at once. So I worked like literally every day for just over three months. Holy shit! And I got to the end of it and was quite proud of myself because there were only two times where I felt like I was about to have a snap, and it was that. It's because I can recognise that uh, bipolar side of mm. me. And uh, both times, one was at the chase when we were uh, uh, training a new chaser. And so I had someone in my ear in Melbourne. I had someone talking to me directly. I had another person ringing me on the phone. And then I had someone relaying a message. And uh, while I'm trying to talk to the chaser and I had a moment of, I could feel, you know, you feel the heart rate going up yep. and you feel everything slowing down and, but you, your reactions are slightly beyond your reach and I had to do a very kind of big one voice. <laughs> I need one voice at this moment and, and then, you know, got that voice to be concentrated, then did what I had to do and then, okay, I have to go and then left and then it questioned everything. There was just one day, everyone's great to work with there, but there was one day where it was starting to get on top of me and I did what any sensible grown-up would do and I went to the bathroom and just sat in a cubicle with the, <laughs> with the lid down and just sat there for 10 minutes just listening to my breathing and just closing my eyes and just letting my head drift away and everything went, ah, and settled and then I came back out and someone said, where have you been? I said, the toilet. Yeah, and saving then people don't your wanna, life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, saving my career and uh, meaning you don't have to put me up on assault charges. No. Uh, but, yeah, but it was it was that day where you could feel everything becoming this. Everyone needs to shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, getting that close to just being like. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So, so rec- being able to recognise it and pull yourself out of it. I think that's uh, – so this is uh, – you might find this interesting. I just did my first kind of spell at a festival for the first time since COVID. So I went down to the Fringe and did five shows, which is the longest I've – like in the last few years, I've done one-offs. Yeah, so how was it? It was really – like I had a great time, good reviews. It kind of – I set myself – you know, going into a festival, you have to set yourself modest goals. And if you can reach those goals, you have a successful season. So I hit all the goals. So that was great. Uh, there was, I did the first night, which was great. And then the second night, I, I'm not used to backing up anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I was a bit like, holy shit, I have to talk (laughs) for an hour again tonight. Like this is, and, and it took me, it wasn't until the final day that, that morning when I woke up where I was like, oh, I've got the adrenaline spike, slow morning thing sorted. Yeah, and then and then I did my final show and it was over. So that was interesting to um, that was interesting to get back into the rhythm of. But uh, I haven't talked about this with anyone, so uh, it was interesting. I could feel, for better or worse, I could feel kind of old festival personality traits and energy 
levels come back. And it was, uh, you know, I'm pretty energetic. Mm. And um, I was having a pretty good time. Like, because I was also seeing friends that I have not seen in that uh, group for a long time. So, on my first night, I'm hanging out with Will Rove, Dave Thornton, uh, Tommy Little, uh, Sam Simmons popped in, a uh, lot of our token friends, Kathleen, Kevin, you know, uh, Nathan, you know. So, this is just a combination of people that haven't hung out together. For, yeah. I haven't hung out with in years. And it was intoxicating. It was really fun. But I found that I was getting these, you know, 10-year-old <laughs> energy levels where I was just having a really good time. And I found... Lots of people commenting on it. Oh, you're having a good time. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is... This is what it's meant to be. This is what it's meant it's to be. It's how it should be. This is great. I'm having a good time. But it was interesting to fall back into those kind of energy patterns and even even the way I was talking was mm. uh, probably quite different to how I've talked in the last few years uh, in just hanging out and enjoying people and stuff like that. So that was, um, that was fascinating. Because you kind of feel yeah. like, and I, I reckon there were some moments where it was like, okay, you're having too much fun and now it is time to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Getting to that point where like, if I have one more drink, I will, I will start yelling. And it might be for good reasons, it might be for bad reasons. Oh, yeah. No, it will all be for good, but it will be, <laughs> be like, let's stay out forever. You know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Like I was, like I quite like going to bed and I was out till two, three o'clock at night. It was also hard with uh, something I'd forgotten is, um, you know, because a festival's a trade fair. Yes. One of the reasons I was doing it was to remind people that I do stand-up. So, to be there is to make sure that you are talking to people in the industry who go, oh, you're doing a show. Oh, you got this review. Oh, you know, yes, I still do this even though I've been in Sydney in, you know, in isolation for, you know... In Sydney, you're in isolation anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the scene's in Melbourne. Yeah, and also it's so hard to get to any suburb that you it's don't so live hard. in. <laughs> I know. Everyone sort of says, you have heaps of... Uh, do you have many friends in Sydney? Yeah, I have heaps. Oh, so you must be busy all the time. I said, I barely see them. Yeah. It's like, if we want to catch up, I have to leave a four-hour window. Uh, two of those hours are for travel. Like Yes. Yes. And and also, when you're gigging and your, your schedule's all over the place, it's hard to... Yeah, make plans. Make plans and make things work and then something comes up at the last second and... And you've got to cancel and then you become that friend yeah. that cancels all the time so people don't ask you as much to hang out. And I respect oh. that. And I, I respect why they yeah. wouldn't ask anymore. But um, it was funny having uh, uh, people wanting to hang out, you know, hey, let's go and get dinner after your show. It's like, well, I, I can't. Yeah. Like, I've got to talk to this person. I've got to talk to this person. I had one, one friend who... Uh, uh, so I'll, I'll come out to dinner with. Hey, let's go out to dinner on Saturday night. I said I can't because I've got these people coming to my show and mm. and I've, I've got to spend time with them and then I'm going to be seeing you know my management and stuff like that. So you're, oh, this is so disappointing because that's one of the hardest conversations I have to have with people. It's and hard. friends who come to the show because they just want to celebrate you. Yeah, I thought you would have a, a great way of fandangling out of it or making yeah. it not seem like a rejection. Yeah. It's so hard it, to explain to people. Well, people don't get it. And it's not mm. their fault that they don't get it. But they just, they, they don't understand. Uh, and also in their defence, it changes year to year. So once upon a time, if I was doing three and a half weeks and it's my sixth year in a row of doing three and a half weeks, 
I don't need to see my management after a Saturday night. Yeah. But I'm here for five nights specifically to remind people this is what I do to hopefully open up some other avenues of work, etc. So this is – but even when you say that, you still get uh, – well, I guess I'm not a priority. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh. and and like, like, you're never in town and you're like, yeah, because I can be paid to be here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also, um, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, this is why I'm here. Mm. And that, that, I know that sounds dismissive, but it's like, even when you spell it out, it makes it hard to, people just just don't get it, you yeah. know? And I have a lot difficult. of friends being like, let's get dinner before a show. And I go, no. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, I'll be in bed asleep. Yeah. <laughs> How early do you eat before your gig? I do like a big afternoon meal, yeah. like around like three or four. Yeah. And then I always have, I've started doing something. Yeah, pension that, dinner. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you got it. You got to let it digest. You got to let it settle. Yeah. And I've started doing something so nerdy, which is like, oh, I can I can feel 30 pressing down on me slowly, which I know is not old, but... No, it no, is but a, it's a change. It's a different phase, yeah. I will say, yeah. is I now religiously have either a banana or a muesli bar 30 minutes before I go on stage. That's so smart. my blood sugar is, I'm yep. functioning at my highest. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. A banana's good. It just feels so lame. People are imagining like a, the rock star life of comedians. Like, yep. oh, you're probably getting beers with yep. everyone and yep. chopping it up. And there's me in my car doing vocal warm-ups. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, ha just eating a banana. Yes. Yeah. Getting your serotonin levels ready yeah. with, a, with a sweet banana. <laughs> that, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> In the old days, it was like male comedians doing lines of meth, and now it's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> just got to get my diet right, and I'll be ready to go. That's good, though. That's a really good thing. Yeah, well, it's made a massive difference. Yeah. I feel a lot quicker on stage yeah. because of it. Yeah. It's it's funny, the, having too much to eat, how sluggish you can feel. Yeah, and also the little, like, burps that you do, like, just off oh, the side of the microphone is so yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I had one of them pop out on a, on a Thursday and I don't think anyone would have noticed but just for a brief instance once again your brain's going a thousand kilometers an hour your mouth's going at 9900 kilometers an hour whatever and then you're like um and then you burp and then there's this part of you that's like oh I've got to apologize for that and then it's like no 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 don't worry about it like nobody's really noticed and by that stage you're three sentences yeah. ahead and you don't have to think about it any longer hey uh, tell me about the high concept show the what, what is it the toilet the toilet seat, seat time, time machine, machine. yeah <laughs> so uh basically the concept of the show is in 2012 mm-hmm. i was in a nightclub mm-hmm. and i discovered the meaning of life justin right i figured it all out great i found a way to stop all the wars yep um, to heal every disease in the world, yep. to just put us all at peace finally. How, how old were you? 18? I was 18. Yeah, Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think we can all agree, the most worldly individuals Yes. to get your advice from. Absolutely. But unfortunately, the next thing I did, speaking of cocaine, was a big line of cocaine off a toilet seat with oh, a stranger. right. So now I don't remember. Right. So, and everything's so fucked at the moment. What we have to do is we all have to go back in time yep. to 2012 yep. to a nightclub and find the meaning of life. Oh, yeah, right. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> the, uh, what, a, what a funny year to discover it as well because, you know, in, in the lead up to it, so uh, you probably, would you, would you have any memory from when you were a kid of Y2K? Yes. Yes, right. I figured like it's, 
you were young enough that you might have been aware of it. So, but remember, in the lead up, that was like, oh shit, you know, mm. all the planes are going to fall out of the sky and all the debt's going to be erased because it's all going to go to zeros and blah 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 blah. And then that passed and we were fine. And then the next year was 2012 because of the Mayan calendar coming to an end. Yes, and they was like, it's going to be the end of everything. And then yeah. it just turns out that they just hadn't gotten around to doing the next calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something we're all guilty of from time yeah, to time, yeah, so absolutely. we should have given them a goddamn break. <laughs> you, we look at the 2023 <laughs> calendar. There's, I don't have a calendar for 2024. The world's going to end on December 31st. <laughs> that's funny, isn't it, to think back on it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a very funny year to, you know, be having your... Ah. Yeah. So, uh, let me get this straight. So, you realised you worked everything out mm-hmm. and then you had a big sniff. Mm. And then... And then- Woke up the next day, don't know. Oh, don't man. know, but I know I figured it out. How many times do you reckon someone has worked things out and then, you know, just taken a shot of tequila or just had a little snort of something that they're hoping is Coke? And uh... <laughs> I think thousands, yeah, thousands yeah. of times a day all across the world. <laughs> yeah, it's something as simple as, I think I've worked everything out. Hang on, where are my keys? Oh, uh, fuck, I normally put my keys over there. Uh, oh, they're over there. That's un- Fuck, what was I thinking about? Yeah, yeah. if only I'd written it down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how does the how do the mechanics of the show work? Because there's so much. You you said there's uh, like your design and there's uh, uh, crowd work. So how does the show come together? So basically, it's like uh, a giant video game. So we will all uh, go back in time as an audience yep. together. Yeah. Um, and I've made it feel like a 2012 nightclub as much as possible. Mm. So don't be startled at yep. the hyper realism when you see it. Yeah. But of all of like the music and like lights and just like little things in 2012 yeah let uh i'm like particularly like the fashion and everything was just so nasty yeah and like bizarre a lot of 2012 references yeah. as well so there's like a big screen uh where there'll be like videos and tasks that people have to complete and right it involves like the whole audience so it's not yeah. just one person playing the game, I will need to call upon every single person. Oh, great. At one point or another in yep. the show. Um, and where did the, uh, like I understand the the concept, but where did the idea for the show come together? Uh, like what was the jumping off point for you to make this all coalesce into one show? I think it's like over lockdown, when we, particularly when we came out of the um, last big lockdown and went mm. back into stand-up, yeah. I just noticed that audiences were really like not, um, engage like they used to be. Yes. Like it was really hard to like uh, elicit a response out of people and like, you know, get people excited for stuff. Yeah. Because people are just so used to looking at a at a screen. Yeah. And so I kind of felt like, I was like, what, why? Like I'm sick of looking at a screen and just having two-dimensional entertainment. I was yeah. like, what if we do something as a group together? Yeah. To I think make us feel like, alive again I guess yeah, yeah. like in the moment because like even we just become the whole over lockdown we all just became such passive viewers yeah I was like I want to do something different that people can remember and feel a part of and yeah. be present in the moment um and so it started kind of from there of thinking like well what could I do and then uh I was going on a lot of uh, my COVID walks had turned into COVID runs. Right. Which is great. Yep. So good, getting the fitness yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And I started listening to a bunch of... I went back to my old gym playlist uh, from 2012 and I started listening to the music and I was like, this is all hot 
garbage. Oh, what really? What is this? <laughs> Every single song is like, we're never gonna die and there's a sexy girl and let's take a shot. Every single song. <laughs> no emotion, no yeah. nuance, yeah. like no like self-realization yeah. or like anything whatsoever. It's like, we're here yeah. tonight. Yeah. To, we're going to die. It's so good. And I was yeah. like, God, the arrogance of this time and the confidence. Yeah. I would love to go back. And I was like, what if I did a yeah. show where we went back to 2012? Yeah. great. And it all just started falling together from there. It's so funny, isn't it? Because it feels like um, it, it's, you know, uh, in in the show that I'm doing, I, like talk about how everyone's crazy now and it's and it's fine because it's been a seven year run up to now you know which we forget because we're uh, because of the internet we're so and the way the world works now we are focused at this moment here why a seven and, year run up well it's 2016 is when it, it begins with a whole lot of famous people just like really famous people dropping yeah. dead and ends with trump winning the election right and then from there it's like because so what I'm uh, what I'm getting to is, 2012 makes ex- perfect sense for that's how people are feeling because we're 11 years after September 11, you know. So yeah. so there's enough time past that the reverberations of what happened then that rotated around the world, which for some reason in 2008 when suddenly there was a black president. We were like, oh, Barack Obama, this is great. The world's saved. Yeah. And then 2012 is him getting back in. We, we survived the Mayan yeah. lack of calendar situation. So it's just like, everything's going to be good. Yeah, black president, look black at how president. far we've come. Hey, Racism, st- over. Done. Sexism, over. over. You know, he loves his <laughs> wife. You know, it's like the whole world has become the West Wing. Things are great. Yeah. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Let's uh, let's just be in the now and just be like whoop whoop, and nobody <laughs> knows that four years from now, we're going to lose uh, a whole lot of artistic integrity that uh, you know artists influence the world that they live in, mm. and it's going to be, and we're going to not only Donald Trump getting in, uh, it's that's not just the narrative; it's also the narrative of the realization that just because you have uh, Hillary Clinton, who is, you know, at that point, the most, uh, probably the most well-equipped candidate to mm, ever be suitable. president. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we we suddenly discovered, oh, that's right, uh, chauvinists hate women and women can be chauvinists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so there's all these different, oh, oh, I'm learning all these terrible yeah. things and then, you it's know. It's like when someone says anything can happen and depending where you are mentally yeah. is like how you could like – before 2016, we were like, anything can happen. Yeah. And, then, and then it's like, oh, no. Anything can happen. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. No, when I said anything, I meant anything good. Yeah, I didn't realise it could be bad. Yeah, so th- so anyway, that's a very long-winded way of saying your, uh, what you're noticing from 2012 makes perfect sense. Mm. Like, it makes perfect sense. That's what people were singing about and yeah. just being... Everything's cool. There wasn't a single problem back then. Yeah. Social media at this point is, we're starting to go, I don't know if this is always a good thing. Yeah. But it's not. 
no one's no one's really we didn't know about like targeted ads and stuff like then like thinking about a wine glass and then all of a sudden it's just all over the feed i mean the only problem (laughs) yeah and you know so sorry just to interrupt you briefly but you know the social network came out in 2010 so you know like yeah. yeah you know so we're starting to go like it still takes a while for things to permeate into the culture and we're going Oh, I don't know about that guy that runs Facebook. Yeah. We're yeah. like, oh, well, all business owners are dodgy. Yeah. There can be anything else wrong with the system. You know, like, <laughs> like it was only four years before that Elon Musk was considered cool. Yeah. And was, you know, like to the extent that Robert Downey Jr. is basing some of Tony Stark on Elon Musk, you know? <sighs> like it's – like it's, so it, it's, it, it, I think what you've said is really fascinating because it is – I think you're 100% right that 2012 was just like, yep. Yep. Woo! It's all G, it's all fine. We're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's nice, especially even for an hour, just to go back to a time where you're like, oh, everything is nice here. Like, Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so that's a really funny thing to kind of realise. But it's also a bit of a bummer because, you know, it's like I'll be interested to – when you're 40, I'll be interested to know if you go back to 2012 music and you go – this is great because I feel like I feel like when I got to forty, I started enjoying eighties music, right? Because I lived through the eighties, and then then I, then I was more you know coming into my own really in the nineties. I'm having that with two thousands music, right? Massively, right? Because I run a music trivia night every yes. week, yeah, and it's all roughly people like around my age, yeah, and you just notice how like like particularly pop punk. As right. well, I yeah. wasn't into it at the time, but right. now I'm just like I just feel this deep nostalgia for it yeah. that I've never felt in my life, and I was like, "Oh, it's happening! Yeah. It's happening! These memories are coming up, and they're cementing." That's so funny. I'm like, I hope my mu- I hope I still like new music. I hope I still like new music as it happens. No, <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning of the end, Beck. Oh, <laughs> so you're getting into pop punk, and uh, around the same age, I was getting into yacht rock. <laughs> I do love Yacht Rock, though. It's fun. That's one of my favourite genres of all time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's funny. It's, um, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Because people, like, you either, just, you either just get a type of genre or you don't. Mm. And you can't, you can't win them over. If someone says, oh, this is all, all sounds really kind of one note. And it's, it's, it's that same guy with the high voice and they're not really singing about anything. It's all smooth. And you go, yeah. Yeah. It sounds great. Like when I listen to yacht rock, I just want to be on a yacht with yes. a hat with beautiful women in bikinis and you know champagne and yeah. and everyone's having a good time and laughing as the sun sets and Toto's playing in the background. Oh, <laughs> heaven. But you know that music's not always like you know you listen to that like it's not it's not what you're always listening to, but it's that whew, it gives you that release. What yeah. what is it uh, about uh, pop punk that's drawing you in? I think it takes me back to a time where I didn't know how angry I was Ooh. as a teenager. Were you angry as a teenager? I was, but I had no idea. I Oh, you didn't consider yourself angry no. at the time? Right. Because in my mum always like, um, uh, my whole family has ADHD. <laughs> Right. But uh, my older brother is like the quiet one. And right. my uh, younger brother was, I guess, like aggro from the Muppets was his personality. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so mum was like, I need you to be good. I need right. you to be 
positive yeah. and good. And I think I was as a kid, but when I was a teenager, I think that's when the bipolar kicked in. Oh, right. And I just was trying to present, like, be like, no, I'm like, I'm a happy girl. I'm a happy yeah. girl, but would always have, like, massive, like, tantrums or, right. like, really just, like, spin out about things that really didn't matter. But I was like, no, like, I love, like, pop, like everyone else. But I was like, if I had found pop punk, I think that would have been a great outlet for me uh, at the time. Is that My Chemical Romance and Ooh, play, bands yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, Paramore. Yeah. And, like, uh, oh, my God, now I'm blanking. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Panic Yellow card and yeah, 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 some 41. Yeah, it's, it's so... Uh, so that was cool. Wasn't that emo as well? Or That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. But people were so dismissive of it, like of my age group and, and older. I always, um, I always felt like you could draw a line between glam rock, uh, glam rock to the, you know the glam, uh, you know, new wave of the eighties to like it because it made sense because glam rock kind of came out of the dissolution of the hippie movement mm. and realising that uh, love and peace wasn't the way forward and they were very theatrical. So it was, it was almost like, um, you know, the 70s were so racked with uh, world tension and then that was kind of this uh, reaction to it. And then Emo comes out of September 11 and it's yeah. all these kids who, you know, people... It's, it's, it's easy to... Go. That was a seminal moment, and that had an effect. And then, as humans, we then move on. Mm. But the the vibrations from that moment keep echoing throughout mm. time, and the, uh, politically, emotionally, physically, and all those kids were reacting to that. So, to me, emo or pop punk is that generation's glam rock. Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And I actually quite liked uh, a lot of that music because I could, even though it wasn't. For me, I could get exactly what kids liked about it. Yeah, you can tap into the feeling. Yeah. We were all young once and, we, you know, we had those big motions. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> exactly. And there they were. And there they were all dressed up in kind of goth gear and, you know, going for it. And Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny you mention um, September 11, directly mm. influencing pop punk. Have you heard of the uh, September 11 to Fifty Shades of Grey pipeline? Uh, no, okay. Oh, I haven't. This is great. <laughs> this is completely in my wheelhouse. I love it. People either love this or they roll their eyes like, oh, yeah, I don't think so. But right. so, uh, Jared Way, who's the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, 
Yes. Was... Who I met once. What? When did you meet him? Uh, sorry to derail. Do you want me to... Uh, I'll, I'll derail it now because we're right yes, at the yeah, start. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, a few years ago, uh, many years ago now, I hosted an event at um, the Opera House with uh, comic book creators. And it was Dave McKean who did the artwork for uh, the covers to Neil Gaiman's Sandman and also did graphic novels with him. It was a guy called Len Wein who is uh, in comic book circles uh, one of the great creators. So as an example, he created Wolverine and Rocket Raccoon, you know, oh. that, that kind of thing. Oh, sorry, I think Bill Mantlo did Rocket Raccoon. Anyway, he Wolverine. I would never and, correct and, you anyway, on these things. Right. <laughs> but, you know, big, big characters, do you know what I mean? Um, and the third one was uh, a writer called Grant Morrison and they are uh, one of my favourite writers of all time. And uh, Grant Morrison came along in that British invasion of Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, and suddenly were bringing literature to the low art form of comics. So, you know, you'd be opening up and you'd be like, Jesus Christ, I have to be across Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah. And I have to be across <laughs> Shakespeare. And, you know, anyway. So I, uh, so I hosted this event and Gerard Way is good friends with Grant Morrison. So there was a there was a point where we were all standing on the at the opera house watching fireworks go over the harbour bridge and a helicopter flew past us with um green lights and it, and it flew right you know relatively close uh, but it looked amazing and uh, Morrison who is Scottish just looked at us and said Look, it's the Joker's helicopter. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, wow, you're one of my favourite writers and you're just as nerdy as anyone. This is fantastic. But anyway, I hosted this event. It went really well. And I know it went really well because the wives were very complimentary. Uh, you know, if the, yes, the- if, if the partners are complimentary. It means it was really good. Because they've sat through yes. some shit. Yes. And Gerard Way said to me, uh, uh, man, if I ever came out here and did something, I'd want you to host. And I was like, oh, that's very nice. Anyway, that's so that's my Chirac cool. Way story. Yeah. Oh, jealous, jealous. Yeah. I'm the helicopter with green lights. Yeah. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. But, no, no. Um, are you yeah. kidding? Of course I want to hear the story about yeah. the time he met Jared Way. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, back to September yes. 11th now. Yes. Um, Jared Way was, I, I'm almost like, I'm, I'm not good at remembering facts. So that's anyone, okay. please uh, feel free to correct me in the DMs. He was either working at IT or something to do with comic books. Oh, he was working at DC. Yes. Yes. And he, he uh, this is great to have you here for all yes. the facts. <laughs> for the nerdy facts. <laughs> um, but so after witnessing 9-11, it inspired him to get back into music. Yes. Um, and so from there, he of course made My Chemical Romance. Stephanie Mayer, mm-hmm. who wrote the Twilight series. Yes was a massive My Chemical Romance fan. Right. And uh, My Chemical Romance was a huge influence in creating Twilight. Right. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, that makes sense. Yep. So then uh, the – I can't remember the name of the author of the Fifty Shades of Grey, but – yeah, look it up. Yeah. Keep talking. I'll, I'll Great. Thank you. Um, so uh, she starts writing fan fiction – What's yes. the author's name? E.L. E. James. E.L. James. Yes. Yes. Started out writing fan fiction for Twilight Online and it got so popular, got picked up and became the Fifty Shades of Grey series. So I've known that. Have you read these books? Yes. So how does that work? Is it just, is it just erotic fan fiction where they've taken out the supernatural? 
Yes, essentially. I mean, right. Fifty Shades of Grey is like, I feel like it started closer to Twilight. Right. And then... Uh, became its own thing. Became its... Ad- they had to take out a lot of like the vampire element. Yeah. So it wasn't like directly associated. But I feel like it would, the Fifty Shades of Grey series would make more sense if he was a vampire. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so, so you get to Fifty Shades of Grey from... September 11 sets off this, which influences yeah, this, this, which inspires this. this. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. And then uh, and then you end up with uh, Jamie Dorman in Belfast looking incredibly handsome, yeah. so, which is uh, always a win. So hey, thank you so much, thank, 9-11. Thank you. <laughs> Cut that out. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's fine. I'll, I'll make it worse. They say a lot of bad things happen from September yeah. 11, but we did end up with Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, which I think go. we can all agree. Yeah, <laughs> it was worth it. Whether it was worth it in the end. Um, it's all right. We can say that. It's been a long time ago now, and everyone knows we're being funny. And if anyone is upset by this, you are not listening closely enough. Uh, we should finish up, but I want to hit you mm. with some movie stuff. Now, you do yes. uh, the Guide to Dude Cinema pod. That's mm-hmm. the rename, isn't it? Uh, no, just Dude Cinema. Dude Even Cinema. shorter. God damn. That's okay. Hey, we were Guide to Dude Cinema for four years. Yes. It makes sense. It'll take time. Oh, my Lord. I had this with Alex J as well. I keep trying to remember it. but it I've shows got you're a, a true fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and we, we didn't have time to set this up. Like, So Alex comes on this podcast and mm. brings the movies that have surprised her the most. Yes. I'm just going to give you a couple of genres and you can tell me which movie that you saw and was totally blown away that you actually enjoyed it. So we'll just do a couple of genres. Does it have to be on the podcast or just in life? Oh, no, no, no. You can be like, but you know, like you, you came in. Uh, so for people who haven't heard the podcast, you and Alex were just essentially dating guys and surrounded by guys telling you to see, yes. you have to see this film. And, and I've always found it fascinating because it's an insight into your generation because sometimes the movies that you consider dude cinema movies, I grew up in a different generation where just as many women watched them and loved them. You yeah. know, like The Godfather. O- across the board, I know women women loved th- those films. So mm. then when I saw that turning up in dude cinema, I was like, oh, wow, things have shifted that this is now a dude movie, whereas Once Upon a Time it was an everybody movie. Like the reason yeah. I know that film is because my mum loved it. Wow. You know? And she got you to watch it? Yeah, like she was waiting for me to get to the right age for me to see it because, you know, because it's big sprawling film and it's almost like um, sometimes to enjoy a certain type of film you need to understand the way it works. Yeah, there's a couple know? of things in The in the Godfather that you've got to be hit to before you get in there. Yeah, you, and, and knowing its place in history, etc., blah, blah, blah. But... Um, you know, Alex has said, you know, so as an example, I don't know if she's told you, but when she was on, the first time we did it, the movies that she revealed that she was gobsmacked, that she loved, was Sylvester Stallone and First Blood and Rocky. Yeah. And because, and uh, were you the same? Because it was, because uh, she was saying to her, Sylvester Stallone was, <laughs> and then you see these films and you go, oh, these are actually really good. Yeah, you get swept up in Rocky. This yeah. is the thing, it's like when... uh I think it's important to let people watch these films and come to them themselves. Yeah. Because just watching it and be like, oh, I get it now. Mm. If someone is just like, Adrian, you're yeah. at a party. You're like, I don't care. I yeah. don't, I'm not yeah. going to have the same 
emotional connection yeah. as you do. Well, it's a surprising film because when you mm. finally watch it, you go, there's seven minutes of boxing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it feels you know uh, it was a movie made like it was an independent film like it was yeah, kind of yeah he and he was like the only one who was like I believe in this movie yeah it was made for nine hundred and sixty thousand or something and brought in two hundred and twelve million that's like that's insane yeah like that is like that movie now is you know to make it it's at least seventy million to make it you mm. know so um so uh. So it's, I, I find it fun to find out which ones you were, oh, this took me by surprise or, you know, because you, I'm guessing now, how many movies have you seen on the podcast? We're at like 210 now. And, and, and that's not including the Patreon because we do movies over on the Patreon too. Yeah. So it's probably closer to like... 250? Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. And so, of course, with more knowledge, your, your tastes change. Yes. And, and, and broaden and then suddenly, you know, something that at one time may not have made sense suddenly makes sense. And, uh, like, I find that. I still find that. I still find, uh, you know, sometimes I'll... Like, I, I like going back to a film and going, oh, you know what? I wasn't smart enough for this film when Do it first it came yet? out. And now I rewatch it and I go, oh, this is this is much better than I gave it credit for yeah. at the time. So um, I thought I'd just throw some genres at you. Absolutely. And you, can, and you can just tell me which ones took you by surprise. So, well, let's let's just go sporting. What what, what sporting movie have you seen? Oh, sporting movies really do not take me. They don't. Yeah. So it would be Rocky then? Would that be Rocky the... Rocky would probably be yeah, the only sporting movie. Yeah. And what was the... Um, uh, was there a particular standout about that film that when you think about it? I think it was just like that he cares so much like yeah that he's just like super he's a bit dumb but he just like loves so much and he just wants yeah. to win and he loves adrian so much yeah that i was like oh i really if there's an emotion behind the story that yeah. i can like understand and get around yeah that's when i'm like okay this movie rules yeah and the the, the genius thing is like and i'm i'm guessing uh, did you know how it ended before you saw it no so you not. had no idea that he yeah. doesn't win yeah. And it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, what's the bloody point then? No, I, d- I understood the point. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. The point. But it's shocking. Like, yeah. it, But I think that is the genius of the film that he just, he get, he wins respect, which is, you know, that is uh, relatable more than punching someone out. Yeah. You know. I've, I've lost before. I can, I can yeah. get around that. Rarely get a win. <laughs> the... Um, uh, so it's interesting. Did you see Top Gun Maverick last year? Oh my! Did I see Top Gun right. Maverick? Did I have my life changed forever? Right. Did I uh, be so uncontrollably horny in a cinema that I was like, I might need to leave. I might need to go home. Not to jerk off, but to literally, I feel like everyone here can see how horny I am, and I'm embarrassed. So <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with all of this conversation, <laughs> except I'm just the one bit that I'm feeling weirded out about. It's not. Tom Cruise, right? Oh, my God. Heavens, no. Okay, great, great. Heavens, no. Look, I felt pretty confident that it wasn't, but I just had to check that you weren't overwhelmed by the power of Xenu to go (laughs) home and roll around. I've found... (laughs) I don't know. Got to be careful about how you talk about these things now. Uh, Roll around could imply just rolling around on the ground. Yeah, just just going, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else can apply what they think that means. Uh, It's up to them and on you as well. But, um, uh, yeah, so you loved it. I I freaking loved it. And not just because Miles Teller is incredibly sexy. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. And just something about, like, it not – I – 
didn't realize how much we see like special effects and CGI movies and to see a movie that was like, oh, this is real. They're flying in the planes. They're feeling everything. Nothing yeah. here is special effects whatsoever. It felt like very raw and real in a yeah. way I haven't seen a movie do in a long time. You, you know, I, like I've, I've had this conversation quite a few times where people have said, uh, I, I thought the CGI wasn't great. And you go, that wasn't CGI. That was real. And I, I think people don't get shit anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, you know, I always... One of the one of the openings to any movie that I don't feel like people are excited enough by is the start of The Dark Knight Rises where they steal a plane. And that is literally a plane. Like, they, they literally got a... Like, there's cables and that, but that is literally a plane that they snap and move upside down and take the lid off. Oh. Like, if you watch it... So, what they've done is the CGI is they've taken out the extra cables that made it safe for everybody. Mm. But they physically do that. Wow. And people, I think people are just sort of like, oh, yeah, that CGI was good. No, no, they did that. And you, you, you can feel it. And it's the same with Top Gun Maverick. You can, it's visceral. Yeah. Yeah. You can, and even though in the moment I didn't know it, I had to look it up afterwards. I was like, this feels different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is I saw Creed 3 on the weekend. Oh, how was it? It's like, it's really good. Like, it's like the first one to me is. I think it gets the emotional... Uh, I've never seen the Creed movies. I won't say anything, but the first <laughs> one gets the emotional through line that Rocky has. And Creed 2 is good, and Creed 3 is good. He brings in... Um, Michael B. Jordan directed it. Brings in uh, brings in some new techniques into filming boxing oh. that haven't been done before, and specifically anime. He brings in some anime-type ideas. Yeah. I know, For me, not all of them worked, but mm. I liked that he did it. Some of them work brilliantly. But the reason I bring it up for you is Top Gun Maverick, from the moment that movie started, I knew everything that was going to happen. Mm. But I didn't give a shit because it was sincere. And I was yes. happy to see something that was sincere and didn't have a sincere moment undercut with a Marvel joke. Yes. You know? Like I'm yeah. just over that cynical deployment of humour. Cree 3 which has now been a massive hit over the weekend, has taken way more money than anyone expected, really? is a sincere film. And I think we're coming into an era of sincerity as a backlash against the knowing, wink, wink, here's a little quip to undercut yeah, yeah, yeah. an emotional moment. Marvel finally bubbled over yeah. and everyone was like, we you just can't take any more. We just can't take any more Marvel. Yeah, and you see, you see it in other films as well, you yeah. know? So, um, so it's... Um, I, I thought Creed 3 was really good, like a really good film. Do you uh, have to watch the other Creeds to understand it? Uh, could you go in raw? You could go in raw, but okay. I think you'd have a really good time with the Creed films. Okay, and they are on our list, so we should we should get to them, let, I let, guess. Let me, let me just say, on a really superficial level, you'll have a really good time looking at Michael B. Jordan. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that. <laughs> you don't need to tell me. <laughs> um, all right, so sporting, what about comedy? What comedy has taken you by surprise? Oh, one that took me by surprise but for the wrong reasons, and I know Alex talked on this podcast about it, was A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, right. I didn't get a single joke in that movie right and as a comedian i felt so embarrassed because alex and our great guest anthony lacascio were just chopping it up being like yeah and this moment was great and i felt so stupid yeah and i was just like i don't i don't understand and i love the monty python and i yeah. love british humor yeah this one just like smooth brained me yeah. so hard yeah 
if there's any consolation, I'm not a big fan of that film either. And right. so, and I, and I was, I was in the demographic at the time when it first came out, and I saw it and was like, oh yeah. And then you know that was the end of it for me. Yeah. So, but that's the thing about comedy. Like it's you can tell something is funny, but it might not be mm. funny for you. Mm. That that's always my frustration when you know you see a show where you know when a reviewer says uh, oh, it just wasn't funny. The two thousand people there laughing seemed to be having a good time, but it just wasn't yeah. funny. No, 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 it was funny. It just wasn't funny for you. Mm. You know, it wasn't your sense of humor. Uh, what about action? What action film? has taken you by surprise. Oh, I mean, I don't know if this just counts as action because it's so many other genres, but um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. I think is my a favourite movie of all time now. Right. I, right, great. And I had also the expectations had been raised so high. Everyone, it came out what, like late? April last year or April something? last yeah, year. something like that, maybe. Yeah, something Makes sense. like that. Oh, yeah, it came yeah. out. Yeah, it came out exactly the same time as Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Oh, it came out just before, which was yeah. the worst thing that could have happened to Doctor. Strange. Like, people who listen to this podcast know that we recorded a uh, record an episode just after seeing Doctor Strange, and my main frustration was this is the multiverse of madness, and they went to a world where red means go and green means stop, and I've just watched a movie three weeks ago where they were pinatas. <laughs> Like, yeah. why are you wasting the concept? This multiverse isn't mad at all. No, this this is a multiverse of meh, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so yeah. So, did you go in knowing anything about that film or...? Not real. I knew that it was that it was a multiverse film, but yeah. I, and nothing else about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was a multiverse film and everyone was like, it's the best. Yeah. And so, but I... Because I love the Daniels. I love a Swiss Army Man. Yeah, yeah. It was a movie that really took me by surprise. Yeah. And this movie just, yeah. And also the emotional connection of like a fraught mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Ooh, if you want to get me invested, yeah. if you want me to see myself in that movie, yeah. you give me a fraught mother-daughter relationship. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just getting back to Creed, if you've got some father issues, that movie is fucking sweet uh, as. It's oh, fucking great. great. All right, awesome. Great. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, two more questions for you. What's the, what, what's the old film? that took you by surprise that you realised that you loved? And what's the latest film that you've seen at the cinema that you've loved? Oh, oldest film. God, do you mind if I have a quick scroll? Yeah, no, 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 go for it. Yeah, because, you know, like, also, I know that's a fraught question because I say, what's the oldest film that you've seen that... Uh, that's taking you by surprise and you say Fight Club and then I have a nervous breakdown because I go, is that old? Which it is. But uh, but I'm also thinking, you know, 50s and 60s and, you know, I don't know. I don't know how far back you've gone. Like, I'm across most of it, but I don't know. Have, have you done black and white films? Have you done... No, we haven't done any right. black and white films. Um, you, for, uh, black and white films from the 50s were uh, how I got through my first COVID bout. Because there's there's less editing, so modern films have so many edits mm. that you just felt a bit tired watching it. But those old films, a scene takes a while, and they just let the actors cook. You know, they just let them act. So if you vagged out, you you come to, and you're still in the same scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. You could focus all the way through the film in that way. Uh, so yeah. So what was your favorite, or what what's one that took you by surprise? This is Spinal Tap. Oh right. So were you? Were you across Spinal Tap in any way? or I had an ex who was obsessed with Spinal Tap. Right. He had a Derek Smalls figurine. 
great. That sat on top of his cupboard. Yeah. And I remember laying awake at night looking at it, just be like, just contemplating why our relationship wasn't working out. Right. Yeah. Because he identified with Derek Smalls. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, no, he's a lovely guy. Um, yeah. But so I'd known about it for ages and he would quote it all the time. Yeah. Which is if you're a boyfriend who has a favorite movie and you quote it all the time and she hasn't seen it. Cut it out. Yeah. Stop it. She yeah. doesn't like it. Yeah. Even though she's laughing along politely and be yeah. like, hmm, yeah, hates it. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like very nervous because, you know, we're not, we're not together anymore. So I'm not, I didn't feel pressure to like it. Oh, great. Yes. But I love, it was so funny. It's really funny. So And in a really sly, clever way. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's the, there's the, like there's the quotes of dialing it up to eleven and and you know that have invaded the lexicon of everyday usage. Yeah. But then when you watch it, it's so much more so much than that because so it's got those things that can be taken and and popping. But then you know, like there's obvious things like you know <laughs> getting caught with the zucchini wrapped in alfalfa down the in front of the pants and all that kind of stuff. But getting the rest trapped of it in the cocoon <laughs> in the cocoon, you know, it's just great. Oh, that's nice. That's a good one to. Be surprised by as yeah. well, I reckon. And what's the what's the best latest film that you've seen? Do, do you go to the cinema yes. often? Yeah, yeah and because I live right across the road from a cinema. Oh, so which one? Uh, Palace. Oh, and I won't say which one in case anyone decides to become a stalker. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them. One of them, yeah. yeah. And could uh, be in Melbourne. Could be yeah. in Adelaide. There's heaps of palaces all over. So <laughs> yeah. don't 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 try and find it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Do you have a membership? Yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's great to because I, where I live here, like I'm a 20 minute walk from Hoyt's Entertainment. I'm 15 minute walk from Palace Central, and I'm like 20 minutes from George Street. And there's nothing better than just going. I've got a bit of spare time. Oh, yeah. This is starting in half an hour. I can get down to it. Yeah, and you yeah, roll on down. Oh, it's so 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 good. I'm trying to think what the last thing because I, I haven't been in the last couple of months because I've been traveling so much. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's standing out to me, and it's over. It, this is over a year and a half old. Oh right! But something so dumb that I didn't think I would enjoy mm. is uh, F Nine. Oh right! I've uh, never Fast seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, this is the it's it's Marvel yeah. without the um, what is it like mystical right. like yeah. superpowers and stuff. Well, the the they have got superpowers, like the ability to not have their spines rammed up their assholes when they jump out of a plane in a car and land. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's all internal invisible. Yeah, yeah. Superpowers yeah. of just ribs of steel, apparently. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah, that was a bit of a jolt. Yeah. Uh, I, so I've been to uh, cinema uh, a bit this year so far, and I've been fascinated to see lots of people leaving movies halfway through or like I saw After Sun, which I thought was a masterpiece and uh, I saw like a couple leave after half an hour and it's a 90 minute movie. What? And it's like, so I'm getting back to something that you said earlier about people, you know how you were saying that after the last lockdown, it was hard to kind of keep people focused and engaged. I feel like that's happened with cinema where like I saw Tar and I thought Tar was a masterpiece and Mm. like I would like to see Michelle Yeoh win the Oscar, but Kate Blanchett should win. Like, it'll be a travesty if she doesn't win. Like, right. she is, she should win Best Actress and Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress and Best Supporting Actor. Like, it is a masterclass. Holy in shit. Performance. It is so good. I saw people leave in the middle of that. I watched seven different couples 
leave, uh, like I saw Babylon and everyone complained about Babylon. My friend and I thought it was great. We had a really good time. Like it's, it's too long and it's flawed, but it's ambitious and it really mm. goes for it. And once again, even, I watched Seven Couples, where I was sitting, it was just above the entrance. I watched Seven Couples leave. Interestingly, four times, the woman stood on the top stair and watched for a little bit longer, which made me judge. It's like, oh, it's the guys. The guys I are... Leave. And, and, and And, you know, as I said, you, you watch Creed and uh, the, uh, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to clap every time you see Michael B. Jordan not wear a shirt. But just enjoy Margot Robbie. Yeah. Just look at her. She looks fantastic. Just yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. At, at least, you know, so... Watching. Also, in this cost of living, man, if I'm paying, what is it now, like $25, $28 for a ticket sometimes, even yeah. more, I'm staying to the end. Yes. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, I was like, I've paid for this entertainment. I need this to fill up the time, so, to fill up my brain. So when I leave, I can stress about money again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> please buy tickets to my festival show. Please Thank do you so that much. For Mac. Yes, please do that. Uh, yeah, I, I, if, I've, if in the end I've paid $28 to sit in air conditioning in a soft seat, all right. Mm. If that's the... You know, fine. I, I would have preferred to enjoy the film, mm. but if if that's all I'm getting, and I'm 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 just optimistic enough that I'll, if we get to the very end and the movie's been a stinker, but you know, David Bowie comes up in the soundtrack. I go, yeah. Oh, yeah, well that was worth it. I got to listen to this song in stereo. Yeah, or you get to go home and be like, that was shit, and say everything bad about it on the walk, which is also a fun activity. Yeah. I just remember what the best thing I've seen in the cinema. I've <laughs> just – and it's not because it, it, it was the exact opposite. Um, the menu. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I feel like horror is having a real resurgence yes. lately. Yes. yes. And I remember multiple times in the menu, me and my partner, like, looking over each other and squeezing each other's yeah. hand, being like, this is so fucking cool. Yeah. I enjoyed the menu as well. I really enjoyed it. Can I uh, – I'm going to give a spoiler away. Yeah. But uh, you know when uh, Nicholas Holt, who is a subtle MVP in the movie for me, because yes. he is – I love him. The fucking worst, and I love him. Yeah, he's great. When they make him cook for them and <gasps> he can't do it, did, was it? Uh, I don't know about you, but there was a part of me that you know. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's just a few of my friends that uh, who have never done stand up that like to give their opinions, and yeah. you go, "Man, I'd love to see you get up and do five. You can just oh, do that. Nothing <laughs> more than people who come up and give advice, or like yeah. friends that'll be like, "Oh, I'm. They've been thinking about doing an open mic for seven years. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, just fucking girl. Yeah, and st- and stop giving me advice, and because then once you get up and the adrenaline kicks in and you can't remember everything you've prepared or something happens that distracts you or blah, blah, blah. You, I don't need you to bow down before me, but I also need you to not give me advice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Ray Fiennes is great. Oh, my God. I am obsessed with Ray Fiennes. I get that. I just watched – oh, my God. I watched another Ray – we did Red Dragon. Oh, yeah. For the podcast. Yep. How'd that go down? Oh, a treat. Yeah. A treat. <laughs> I, I know that movie is not critically acclaimed. Yeah. But – I'd, there's just I loved it. Yeah, I watched something what he was in recently. What was it? Like two days ago. Uh, oh, oh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which we did uh, for the podcast. Oh, great! Yeah, that's one of my favorite films. That's one of Alex boyfriend Alex, not Alex J. Yeah, right. <laughs> His favorite movie. I, I think there's a. Um, I, I love that it's a story within a story within a story, and there is. Um, I like melancholy. Yeah, and there's something. You know, 
there's something like it's very funny, but there's something very melancholic about it, and um, and I and I love Ray Fine in it so much because he's such a cad. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's he's dastardly. What's a cad? Well, you know he's. You know, he's, he's sleeping with the old lady over here and he's of course he's flirting with his protégés. Go, wow, what am I doing? You know, he's, yes, uh, yeah. but, he's, but there's also kind of, um, there's there's a moral compass to him as well. Like, so he's he's quite a, you know, he's quite a complex character in a, in a, in a story that looks, because of the prime colours and the way Wes Anderson shoots and everything is so beautifully composed, you can kind of miss that the character is... Are actually quite deep, and you know he does try to protect when you know when the Nazis come on, and he he is protective, and you know <laughs> you've got all this other stuff going on around, and then it's it, there's just a lot going on, and then the way the movie ends, where it's like you leave one part of the story, then you leave another part of the story, yeah, and then you end with the girl reading on the, and it's like oh that was actually you know it does make you think about the passing of time and mm. how things change, and you know there's going to be there's going to be a time in your future, like you're, you're, what you're seven years into doing stand up now. Imagine when you're going to be 27 years, and yeah. there's going to be all these different things and all these different people, and there's going to be people that you've always thought were going to be around forever that will have, that one day someone will come along and do a similar joke, and you'll think, "Oh my lord, I thought I was going to see that person forever, and this is the first time I've thought of them in 10 years." You know, because yeah. they did, they look similar or they did something similar, and you have, you have that kind of melancholy. Uh, but melancholy, I don't think, is necessarily a bad thing. It's just the wistfulness of of the passing of time, and I think that's what Grand Budapest Hotel captures. I had a, speaking of that, I had a, a really similar experience with that with stand up. Mm. Is um, I've really gotten into vinyl records recently because I'm becoming the dude that we talk about on the podcast. I'm becoming a nerd, and I'm getting into vinyl records and comic books and D and D, and I hate it. And I'm sorry. But I found this uh, vinyl record. Of- you know, you just uh, insulted me, but keep going. That's fine. Just keep going. It's, it's all fun, good. though. This it lifestyle's amazing. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, but so, this vinyl record of this comic, Rusty Warren, it's like from the 60s. Right. She's a female comic. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a record of like yeah. her stand up. Yeah. And like I opened it up, and there's a receipt from when it was first bought in How like much? 1972 for. What is I think it was like a dollar eighty. Oh, it's a, you know what? I was about to say a dollar ninety nine. Oh, so a dollar eighty. I yeah, should let you yeah. guess. Yeah, damn, I was close. Yeah, but I listen, and I've been listening to it, and it's so interesting to just like peer because she's passed now, unfortunately. But like to peer into, you know, what stand up was like for yeah. women back then, yeah. and to hear something that if I didn't scour under a table at a record shop for hours in like yeah. the comedy section that's way back in the corner because yeah. who the hell's buying a vinyl right. comedy album these days and pull it out, it might have never been listened to. Yeah. And like it just felt like reaching through time to a moment that you were like, oh, if I didn't look for this, I yeah. wouldn't have found it. Well, it's, uh, you know, it, I think one of the things that modern life struggles with is things should progress but you you shouldn't shit on the history that came before, like mm. because the the history that um, so you, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to this in uh, comedy terms, which is mm. for for everyone, so people can really lock into it. Recently, I've seen Ben Stiller have to defend Tropic Thunder from two thousand and eight because Robert Downey Jr. is in blackface. Yes, but the joke is that he is, it's satirical. He is 
an out-of-touch leading actor mm. who thinks it's fine to be in blackface, to yeah, play and a black character. Yeah, the whole movie they're acknowledging it, being like, yeah. what you're doing is fucked. It's because, so fucked. Because there's the African-American guy who keeps saying, what do you mean, we? Like, he's calling him out all the way through. But even that character is satirical because he's a hardcore gangster who's really gay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So all the characters are like, so it's this broad comedy and it's also puncturing all of these myths and stereotypes. And, I, you know, I don't think, like, of course things have progressed, but you can't look back at that and go, that's, that's wrong. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the point of it, you mm. know? And, um, and I think it's really interesting to go back and find this woman who would have been you know, I'm guessing, like, I always find when I listen to really old comedy, it's just either jokes, that they sound hacky, but that's because they were the first time they were said. And yeah. now that that genre became hacky or, you know, you, you listen and you go, oh, is this is this funny? Like, uh, like there's not really A lot of it is I like, get. oh, it's killing. I, it's killing. I couldn't say why, but yeah. I, the people then are having a great time. They so get it. It was relevant, at, yeah. You know, my first point. introduction to stand-up was vinyl, was Robin Williams yeah. live at the Met. <gasps> and you had to flip it over to get the other half of yes! the routine. There is something so nice about just the ritual of vinyls is, you. Ooh, I'm getting into it. No, no, I get it. And because you know what it is, it's, it's, it's active listening too. Because if you listen to things on Spotify or whatever, on your earpods running, you know, doing other things. But vinyl, you have to actually take it. And, and put it on mm. and it's tactile mm. so you're touching it and you're looking at the artwork and you know maybe they'll have a lyrics page or whatever and you'll be kind of oh hang on what was that lyric and you're looking and and then it finishes and then you have to flip it over, over. if um and there's albums you know old albums were designed in halves so uh it wasn't until i got the beatles wide album on vinyl that i understood it and it's because before i listened to it on cd so it was like one record was yeah, one CD. Through. And then if you listen to it online, then you just listen to it all the way through. But when you're listening to it as vinyl, it's in the vignettes that it was set up. And you go, oh, oh this is like a bam. And this is like a bam. And it just makes sense as halves. That's so, because in my head, <laughs> people listen to the Beatles on cassette tapes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the timeline stopped. I was like, oh, yeah, it would have all been records then. Yeah. They didn't have cassettes. Yeah, yeah, and then cassettes came in and, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you do have the A and the B side, but yeah, it's a little, it's, it's not It's, it's not as sexy as vinyl. Right, that's coming back though. Cassettes are coming back. Really? Yeah. yeah. They're, the, oh, they're the least durable of all. <laughs> you know, I'm happy to get back into vinyl, but I do not miss those times where I'm listening to a cassette that I really like and then suddenly, for whatever reason, the tape recorder has decided to chew the tape and then you have to yeah. carefully get the tape out then you have to get a pen, stick it in and... Roll anyway. it, yeah. yeah. And the sound when it gets all tangled up is yeah. just oh, yeah, yeah. shivers down my spine. Yeah, it's the worst. All right, I should let you go. This has been great. You have it's to come so back. Fun. Yes. Uh, maybe we should uh, Maybe we should do a double episode with you and Alex and you don't talk to Alex, she doesn't talk to you and you bring, you know, you both bring five <gasps> movies and we see, because I'd be interested to see if you have crossover and if you... If there's one where Alex says, I loved it. And you're like, that was the worst film I saw. And, and vice versa as well. Because that's kind of fun to see that dynamic. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If it's sci-fi, you know the answer already. I love sci-fi. Alex hates it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny? I just, um, like, there's genres that I prefer. But I'm also, 
agnostic when it mm. comes to like I just want the film to be good. Yeah. What's the best sci-fi film you've seen? Oh. Or what's oh sorry, what's your favorite? What's my favorite? Or one of your favorites. That's too much pressure. God, I'm trying to think. There was one recently that was like soft sci-fi and Alex was like it was like very mild sci-fi vibes and Alex was like I can't handle it. Oh, really? What was it? See, again, my memory is so terrible. Um after Yang? No. I, I was just taking a wild stab. I hate it after Yang. I still haven't seen it. Uh, it was, look, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, didn't, didn't give it to me like I wanted. Uh, okay. that makes sense. Do you, do you prefer the, the harder sci-fi? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I like Star Wars and right. because I was raised on it because I'm yep. from a boy family. Right. Um, so Star Wars is probably like one of my favorites. Yeah. And you know what? The new ones, the episodes one, two and three. Oh, the prequels? Yeah. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you were the perfect age for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're one of the absolutely. first movies. I The um, one with Darth Maul is the yep. first movie Phantom. I ever remember seeing. Phantom. Yes. Yeah, Phantom Menace. First yeah. movie I ever remember seeing. Yeah. You know... Uh, so, uh, I saw Star Wars and New Hope when it was just called Star Wars at the cinema as Whoa. a kid and the cinema shook and it was like, you know, when the Star Destroyer at the start's going over and that is one of those first vivid memories as a kid of going, what is happening? But the whole Piccadilly cinema in Adelaide, Whoa. everything was shook. shaking. You know what? There's a little part of my show that... Pays homage to that at oh, some point. Great. So, get your tickets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what are the details for your upcoming seasons? Yeah. So, Melbourne, uh, I'm doing Toilet Seat Time Machine from the 30th of March to the, I think it's the 8th or 9th of April. Yep. And then Stand Up Show is on the Saturday night, so the 1st of April and the 8th or 9th. I can't remember off the time. Oh, there's a camera. Uh, there's a calendar right there. The 8th, eighth, eighth, the 8th right. of April. And then I'm doing Sydney Comedy Festival, uh, which is in May. So you've got time to Google exact dates between now and then, but I'm doing both shows. Oh, and if you're in Newcastle, actually, I'll be there on the 24th and 25th of March this month. Oh, great. Doing both shows. Great. So, and where's, oh, uh, do you have a website? Um, I have a link tree, which is almost yep. like a website. So if you follow me on any social media, there's a little link at the top. Yeah. And that has all of the ticket details and everything. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that you finally uh, were able to come and hang out and me do too. this. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you back on. And uh, good luck with uh, all the seasons. And I'm, I'm really excited for you to take a big swing with this uh, new concept of a show. Uh, I, I like it when comedians really go for it. And... Uh, I think it's very exciting that uh, you're at that point where you're going, right, let's go for this. Let's really let's really take a big swing. So that's exciting. Let's hope it pays off. <laughs> It'll pay off. You'll be good. Thanks, Beck. Thanks. Thanks to Beck for being my guest on today's podcast. If you're in Melbourne, please check out her run of shows. And uh, let's see how this time travel show in particular works. I'm pretty fascinated by that. I also have two shows appearing at this year's Melbourne International Comedy Festival on April 16. I will be hosting Big Squid Live at the Melbourne Town Hall with guests Celia Pacola and Josh Earl as we compete against each other to create the great Aussie movie list. And then on April 17th, my stand-up show Little Victories will also appear at the Melbourne Town Hall. My listeners can access discount tickets by using the promo code PODCAST to save money on their ticket purchases. Head to bigsquidpod.com. 
That is bigsquidpod.com. Click on the gig page and you will find the links there. Uh, I hope you can make it. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone in Melbourne again. But for now, enjoy the rest of your week. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.